Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Hey, Hugh. Give me a call, 115 grand. I could have written this. I'll only charge you 114 grand and no travel. I don't even need the travel. With SI's Pat Forty. Enlightenment. Siddhartha going to Nirvana. I mean, what's the Dalai Lama involved in this? Here's Pat and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Throwback edition, Pat. Here we go. Art Bryles. <laughs> oh, that, that's enough to make me nostalgic. A little kerfuffle here. <laughs> Been Hugh a while Jackson. since we've we've talked about art. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hugh Jackson uh, is coaching at Grambling now, and uh, he hired Art Bryles to be his offensive coordinator, I believe, right? He's on the staff. Yeah, on the uh, staff. I don't know what else you'd have him do. Uh, former Baylor coach who... Lost his job uh, due to, you know, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Sexual assault scandal involving numerous players at Baylor, all this stuff. Much tumult. No, a sad, serious case. And and Bryles was the coach and he got he he got uh, lost his job, uh, though he's paid out. I'll, I'll get into my views on it later. It's a it's more it's more complicated of a case and who to blame than just Art Bryles is bad. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean. Art Bryles is good. It's, it's just <laughs> no. a very more gray case than what people want to make it out to be. However, at this point, it is what it is. And the moment Hugh, Jack, uh, Hugh Jackson hires Art Bryles at Grambling, which, you know, in, in a general sense, if we go back, you say, well, the, the former very successful Baylor head coach is now the offense coordinator at a HBCU and one double A or F, FB, FCS um, would be a tremendous hire. You know, all hell breaks loose. Everyone uh, gets fired up. Hugh Jackson has n- is not backing down no. though, on this hire, which most everybody else has done, which at least is smart. I mean, th- the worst is like you hire our brows and then everyone screams at you and you go, oh, that's it. We're not hiring him anymore. Like you didn't see this coming like this was going to happen. So the Hugh Jackson Foundation released a statement, which is kind of weird. <laughs> Grambling didn't want it on their letterhead. I guess not. The Hugh Jackson Foundation, which is based out of Blue Ash, Ohio. And let me say this about the Hugh Jackson Foundation. According to Dan Murphy, excellent reporter at ESPN, easily to find uh, tax forms. And the Hugh Jackson Foundation collected a 158000 in donations in 2019, paid 115000 to its employee, and then another fifteen grand on travel. So it gave out $4,000 in grants. <laughs> 4, nice job, Hugh Jackson Foundation. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Be careful who you donate to. I, no you know, kidding. 
I used to look. Not these changing up on the- a lot of lives there at the Hugh Jackson no. Foundation. A lot of the athletes, a lot of coaches. This is they're just their foundations are garbage. Uh, they're just it's a way to employ oh my my daughter in law my son in law you know right it's, it's it's graft I mean that's that's absolutely hum- that's that's just re- that's pathetic yeah I, mean, I really <laughs> you've at, you tell you get a hundred I'm a hundred fifty eight thousand is a lot of money yeah. You got all these donations and you give out four grand and you just keep the other part. You can always go online when you're donating to these things to the 501 and look up uh, an an organization's 501c3 and see what they spend the money on. Don't give to the Hugh Jackson Foundation. (laughs) Uh, But that ain't even the point. That should be humiliating enough. Hugh Jackson's got a lot of money. He should throw 140, 54,000 to somebody uh, for that. The Hugh Jackson Foundation, though, uh, released the statement. The recent hiring of our Browse, a member of the Grambling State University football staff, caused confusion and concerns that we would like to address. The Jackson Foundation has been dedicated to fighting all forms of sexual abuse and exploitation, as well as other forms of race, racial and social bias, just not with the most of the money we get. <laughs> uh, that part, that part wasn't in there. <laughs> We have a clear understanding of the role that coaches and others who have a position of trust play in the lives of those they meet. We also know and understand the process of identifying risks, helping others to heal, and the importance of prevention. We believe that through the hiring of Coach Browse and the well-developed programs we have in place, this hire will be instrumental in teaching others the importance of knowing how to prevent victimization, proper reporting procedures, provide adequate resources to individuals who have been victimized, and develop strong law enforcement partnerships within the community. (laughs) All this by hiring Art Browse. Interesting. Some people might argue that you're doing the opposite by hiring Art Browse. But. I, I mean, this statement is fascinating. This <laughs> recent hire of Coach Browse is a testament to the importance of these key factors. Forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We believe that all are deserving of forgiveness, and without it, healing can't begin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. It's not my job to for. I wasn't aggrieved. It's not my <laughs> job to forgive our trials no, no it's not i'm confused i was not <laughs> i don't even want to i mean we shouldn't even be laughing at this thing because it's so serious but it's like why does he think that it's grambling or my job reading this to forgive art briles because hugh jackson told us so because he would like Bryles to drop some ball no, plays the hugh ja- kimberly diner the executive director of the ah. hugh jackson foundation and hugh jackson himself nope. they're telling us not grambling Okay, forgiveness. A eh, little weak on that point. This is one of the great. I'm, I'm still. I'm going to read this whole thing. Redemption. Redemption <laughs> follows forgiveness. There we go. Okay. Look at this. This is like narrative. <laughs> Going from surviving experience into thriving through new experiences requires a restoration of faith and an opportunity for improvement. Mm. Okay. Okay. A lot of Again, nice. Again, is Art mm. Bryles the victim here? <laughs> That's what we're starting. We seem to be heading that direction with this. We got a lot of nice self-help buzzwords in there. I don't believe you have to restore your faith to have redemption. No, I don't. I I I, I, I discount that that statement. Strike that statement from the record. I I have I have issues with that statement too. Finally, enlightenment sounds good. <laughs> there we go. Is it our own experience to give us the wisdom to teach others how to live in a world of respect and honor? So, I mean, look, conceivably, you could say, look, Art Bryles made mistakes, which I absolutely do believe. Mm-hmm. I also do not believe Art Bryles is the worst human being to ever walk the earth. No. Well, you could sit there and say, hey, 
look at, there's nothing better than a reformed guy on this to know these are the mistakes I made. These are the, the blind spots. These are where you get over your skis. This is what you didn't do. And this guy can be very helpful. That, that's a that's a decent argument. Also, like we're going to like I'm in charge, not Art Bryles. Yeah. So, OK, I mean, there's that. I mean, I, I don't think like if I don't think like the students at Grambling are at risk of Art Bryles as their offensive coordinator. Like, I'm, I'm just I'm not going to go that far to be like. And I do no. believe like guys have to work somewhere. Is it yes. better if Art Bryles isn't a football coach and is like managing a uh you know, the, the quick change oil place down the corner. Like, I don't right. know. I mean, like, he, so uh, as we move forward together with Coach Bryles, we ask that people keep in mind that no matter your views on this topic, please remember that people can and often do become re-traumatized and re-victimized by statements which may or may not be accurate. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> so, we will continue to support Coach Bryles and all victims of assault, violence, social and racial injustice. We will continue to provide equal opportunity for healing for everyone. Man, I, w- I was less offended by this hire before this statement. I don't think this statement did what, <laughs> no. what, what it was intended. Sometimes to do. people explain too much or talk too much. Uh, yeah. No, they. <laughs> the hell that, is that, this thing? That last part there. No like, wonder Grambling didn't want this thing on his letter. Yeah, exactly. The last part what? there. Pl- please don't bring up Art's past because it might traumatize everybody. Wait a minute. Wait. Wait, if you're that worried about it, why'd you hire him? I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, by hire, uh, yeah, first up, there also need to be some statement in there. We, I mean, even if it's just self-serving, like there were victims at at, ba- at, at Baylor and we, we, you know, our thoughts are with them. And or, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, this is a really bad statement. It's a very bad statement. And if they're yes. paying this Kimberly Dinert, a hundred and uh, what was it? A hundred. <laughs> yeah, if she got the 115,000, I, I would want the money back. 115 grand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a bad state. It looks like they're going to stick with them for now. Um, again, I, you know, I, he's who knows? I mean, our Brown's offense was big time like a decade ago. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I that's the thing. That- we, we don't know whether he's, dated or not i mean he might be fine at an fcs level in terms of still being able to draw ball plays he might be fine at a major college level i don't know i mean but yeah you are hiring damaged goods dated goods uh bringing on a level of criticism and scrutiny you didn't have to i mean you really is, is art browse the only guy they could get out there that they thought could drop some good ball plays and to your point dan i would say Yes. I mean, there, there's no reason to say that Art Browse should never be able to hold a job again, you know, that, that he needs to be damned to the fringes of society. But working on a college campus raises back all the issues of what happened the last time he was on a college campus. Uh, he may be able to coach just fine without there being problems. The question will be, who do you recruit, Art? You going to recruit some of the guys you recruited at Baylor, that type of guy, or are you going to recruit different pl- people? And how? What's the level of scrutiny and vetting going to be on people that you are recruiting to come in and do your offense? Because I think that was a not just Art running a see no evil, hear no evil sort of ship, but also bringing in some some problematic people when he was at Baylor. Uh, so I, I, you know, there's multiple prongs to this, but. You know, I he, he he does certainly have the right to earn a living in the United States. There's nothing that says he, he can't do that. 
and guess I can understand Grambling being attracted to him. But again, I, I, I just have wonder if you can't find somebody else to drop ball plays who doesn't bring that level of baggage to your campus. Yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah. Like I said, like I, I know a lot about that case, and I, I don't want to relitigate the Baylor case and all that went in, and it's complicated. And sexual assault cases are always complicated, and um, there's there should be zero. I mean, this is a zero tolerance thing. I mean, it's just there's nothing worse than the idea you'd send your you you would attend college and get uh, assaulted by by someone that they brought in that didn't deserve to be at that call like and 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 the powers to be at the school would look the other way um i mean it's just the whole thing was terrible it just wasn't all art briles fault no i thought he was a convenient excuse and then the narrative took over and again i'm not saying he's innocent because i don't believe he was but he wasn't as guilty as 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 his name became but you know that happens in america that's just, I mean, it just happens. You know, one thing it's like, well, he should be back coaching. Well, maybe he should just coach high school or maybe he should just be coaching in the pros or he should, or maybe he should go do something else. I don't know. It's not like is you have an inalienable right to be a college football coach. Right. For grambling. I mean, you know, I, you could, the fact they made this case and, you know, off the top of my head, I could make a better one suggests Hugh Jackson didn't really think this thing through very well. No. I, mean, I would sit there and be like, okay, I'm going to be on this guy's ass. He's having no oversight over anyone. I decide who gets recruited. I handle all discipline. I handle all oversight. We will go through everything. I think he's a good guy who deserves a second chance. And I think that because of what he went through, he is particularly aware of the challenges uh, uh, for our young men. And we are going to put in a comprehensive program on how to handle this stuff. Right. And there you go. not... Uh, it's whatever. What was the one? Redemption. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forgiveness. Yeah. Like right. I mean, like if you go with that, you're like, all right, Hugh Jackson. He's, he's a guy on the staff. He ain't in charge. He ain't making one decision. I'm making the decisions, but I think he can teach our guys a lot. Right. Yeah. And I think if if that had been spoken a little more clearly or spoken at all, that might make the uh, the statement a little more palatable. Hey, Hugh. Give me a call. 115 grand. I could have written this. I'll only charge you 114 grand and no travel. I don't even need the travel. I have said many times that their colleges could very often use a sports writer or former sports writer to look at your statements, cut through the bull and say, no, say this instead, as opposed to this completely ridiculous garbage you want to put out there. We can help you with this. Uh, well, one thing is these coaches, and all the coaches, many coaches, they don't respect their sports information directors the way no. they should. Right. They look at it like, well, you kind of just run media operations, but they don't use a lot of really smart people are in sports information, media relations, and they don't use them as PR professionals. Right. And then they actually often hire out to these glamour guys that aren't actually very good. Do you have Ari, Ari Fleischer in mind, perhaps? Actually, <laughs> I don't think schools hire Ari, do they? No, 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 no. Even no, the I'm schools just, aren't that dumb. I'm just thinking Only, of the glamour PR guy that yeah, we've well, discussed okay. relatively recently. That's true. But that was the playoff. Mm-hmm. That's the playoff. I Yeah. Ari Fleischer is one of the worst P- sports PR people I've ever come across. And I, I cover everything. I wonder what the Grambling SID said when they when they tried to put this on Grambling. <laughs> he said, "Go, go, go, call Kimberly up in uh, Blue yeah. Ash, Ohio, and see if you right. email at is info at hughjackson.org. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, no, but they 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 
there's there's ways to solve the problem and they don't do it and they don't they don't listen because the coaches are used to being used to being in charge. And so you you see it all the time in the postgame press conference. There'll be some flare up in a game and instead of handling it well. Right. They they won't. And I mean, this is like a totally unrelated. I'm just using it as an example. But like Jawan Howard after after the dust up. I was just going to bring that up. Come in, be cons- say this, 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 this. A lot of it gets solved. Yeah. Yeah, don't come in and just, you know, I mean, offer no apology whatsoever and just say, you know, I, I felt like physically at risk or whatever. It's like, no, just get the words. Hey, I'm sorry about what happened. Now. This was bad. I'm going to yeah. do better. Yeah, you see it all the time. And so it's like, but there's a lot of talented people that they don't listen to. So right. uh, whether they hire a sports writer, I am available for cost if you can afford <laughs> me. We're, we're going to open... Wetzel 40 Consulting, (laughs) how to get yourself out of a terrible PR situation without issuing a terrible statement. Here's what we do. If if, if Hugh Jackson had paid us $114,000, we'd be sitting here going, that Art Browse Heil is just absolute genius. (laughs) I believe in forgiveness, redemption, enlightenment also. There you go. Enlightenment. Siddhartha going to Nirvana. I mean, what what do we do? (laughs) the Dalai Lama involved in this. (laughs) Uh, we hired this old dude. He got in trouble. <laughs> yeah. kind, of, kind of a clown, but he had a good offense. <laughs> We're hoping he scores us a couple points for grambling. But don't mention it because he might. That's right. We got to yeah. compete with Dion and the swack. We need to up our game here. Yeah. Well, anyway, sorry, Hugh Jackson Foundation. I will not be donating to you. <laughs> no. Um. All right. <laughs> That aside, the world will not end based on who's the OC at Grambling. No. All right. I thought this was an interesting story uh, by Dennis Dodd of CBSSports.com, my old co-worker and our friend for a long time. College football attendance declines for the seventh consecutive season. It's the lowest average since 1981. This is, I mean, excluding last last year, obviously, there's no numbers, right? Right. Uh, Because everything was... I mean, they literally some state. Michigan's attendance will never get worse. They had zero. Right? I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> many schools had zero. So Ohio State, zero. Um, that was that. But uh, you look at it, uh, it is down. Uh, it was down 1,629 per game since 2019. Uh, average attendance was just 39,848. It's the lowest since 1981. I'm a little surprised because that's a big drop and I would have thought there was some pent up demand to go to a game, but I guess there's still potentially people that had some COVID concerns. So maybe older fans that didn't feel comfortable going to games uh, that, you know, there could be still some leftover from that. Most of us felt comfortable going, but other people, if you have conditions or whatever, they made the choice not to go. So it's possible, but it's, it, since since 2008, the average attendance in 2008 was 46,971 per Dodd. Uh, so we're down 15,000 in 13, uh, 15%, I'm sorry, 15% in 13 years. Um, you're seeing things like Tennessee's redoing their stadium to have more of like a club atmosphere in certain areas. Sully, is is are we going under 100,000? That's, that's the story, yep. We're going under 100K, and they're adding like a party deck in the upper deck and then some club seats, like you were saying, down below. So, yep. Right. So is that, Sully, is that like a, does it 
is it bothersome to the fan base from a pride and prestige standpoint, or does it really matter? Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of fans out there that are a little chapped that are, have a sense of pride when you look at the biggest stadiums out there and they're in the top five. But right. if you're really that concerned, you should have been going to the games because they haven't been going on, <laughs> going over 100K very much recently either. So a Very good point. If you want to maintain a 100,000-seat stadium, fill the 100,000-seat stadium. At SEC, the average attendance was 90, uh, 72,195 basically even from uh, 19 down seven one thousandths of a percent <laughs> is that like two people <laughs> like, <laughs> like mr and mrs what? jones we need you back in the stadium at donald r raisin razorback stadium in fayetteville let's go they were gonna they were gonna attend they got a flat tire near uh <laughs> near bentonville yeah couldn't make it and uh, an SEC attendance drop. And they decided to go to the Shady Gators instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Ten was up three one thousandths of a point to six hundred sixty five thousand two. And Big Twelve, then Pac twelve, lowest ever for the Pac twelve forty three thousand eight sixty five. That's got to be a lot of USC driven. ACC was down eleven point seven percent to forty two thousand, lowest since ninety. Independents were down. The big winner. Maction baby. Mm. They're at 17,456 per game, plus 12.4%. Wow. I always figure Maction crowds are just made up, though. <laughs> well, they, they might, you know, my one of my many questions with these numbers is are these butts in seats or are these tickets sold? Uh, they, might not be the most accurate accounting. <laughs> well, college <laughs> attendance is like, you know, election results in Chicago. Okay. I mean, <laughs> there's all kinds of accounting things that could go into it. Irregularities, so to speak. Uh, and you just, I never have any real grasp who's counting how and, you know, and then eventually it's up to somebody, usually the sports information director to sign off on a figure. I, I have seen some, some creative figuring and how those things get arrived at at the very end of, ah, yeah, I think this is our biggest crowd ever in Rupp Arena. Let's say 24, 328. The biggest yeah, is 324? Yeah, okay, yeah. You know, that's sort add of. Add a guy or two. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I watch Maction, there's like 11 people in the stands <laughs> on Tuesday night, and they're huddled around a garbage can <laughs> with a fire coming out of it trying to warm up. There's Correct. no way there's 17,456 <laughs> When Ball State plays Bowling Green in the dark of a Tuesday night, Thanksgiving. Oh, they're all on the other side of the stadium, Dan, where the camera can't see them. Oh, is that? (laughs) Yeah, the other 17,000 are all over there. Apparently, there's like a 235,000-seat stadium somewhere in the MAC that is, is waiting. They play, they Do they sell out the Indianapolis Motor Speedway <laughs> yeah. like every week, and I didn't know they, about it? They put a stealth game in IMS. That's actually where Ball State <laughs> plays all their games. Yeah. So, they just don't like to tell anybody? There's no freaking way they had 17,000. They haven't had 17,000 people come to like Kent State football cumulative in three seasons <laughs> even the same guy counted over and over you know what i think one of our listeners i think is a bowling green administrator i think he's hit us up on twitter a couple times he, we, we need to hear from him let's hear how the accounting goes down and, and how many people they're really putting in the stands for action i'm extremely skeptical who is this like the dominion voting machines counted this thing what you, stop the steal baby <laughs> I don't know what uh, Maxin. Eh, I love you, but come on now. Come it's on. a su- suspicious spike if they're if they're going up. 
I'm 12%. <laughs> Everyone else is down. Except for the, the only two increases were the Big Ten by point zero point zero zero three and the Sun Belt 0.04. And then Maxion, 12.4. This is like the kid who's got a D average, but somehow cheats and gets 100, isn't smart enough. <laughs> To like miss a few questions so he doesn't <laughs> raise suspicions. Uh, it's the Derek jo- D- Derek Rose ACT in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, it's like Derek Rose just got into Yale. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Derek. <laughs> anyway, this has nothing to do with this. <laughs> Come on, Mac, cheat better. <laughs> Be more subtle. Come on. 17,000, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what the hell was the point of this thing? All right. Apparently, you people aren't going to the games anymore. I say play us at the tailgate. This is why our ratings suck. You guys are, and no one's there. No, I don't know what's going on. So the que- the question is, um, I don't <laughs> I All right. The question is, uh, can they can they reverse this? And uh, what we are seeing, I believe, is a trend. And I'm going to start with the 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 mighty Alabama Crimson Tide, a, a team that if you you know does would presumably not need gimmicks, but uh, you are seeing their future scheduling is home and homes. They're trying to make it more attractive to season ticket holders. I just don't think the, the, the fans, you can just trot out any old game anymore and they're going to show up. And that's probably where these decreases come. Are you selling out your stadium when you're playing your rival? Yes. Are you selling out your stadium when a top five team comes in your conference? Yes. But are you just, is there just that blind 60, 70, 80, 100,000 people that just show up to watch you play whomever? No. I don't. I think that's the issue. So, you know, under Nick Saban, Alabama took a course of playing neutral site early season games. And they've had many famous ones. Uh, and they would basically play in Atlanta or, or Dallas or what I think maybe Jacksonville or something once. But generally, they go back and forth. He'd want to play in a city he recruits. They get paid like $5 million to show up. They play somebody. They beat them. And uh, that's how they start the season. Now, we have home and homes. Next year, it starts with uh, at Texas. Well, I guess they're not coming, but look at this home slate. Utah State, Louisiana Monroe, Austin P. That's the 2022 Alabama non-conference schedule. Like, yikes. Who wants to watch that? So they're at Texas. But then Texas returns on the 23rd, in 23, and then it starts getting good later. Wisconsin, at Wisconsin, let's just get to this. 2025, they they have Wisconsin coming and they're playing at Florida State. 2026, Florida State shows up. 2027, West Virginia shows up. 28, it's Ohio State. Then it's Oklahoma State. Then it's Notre Dame. Then it's Georgia Tech. And all of these are home and homes. Arizona in 2032, uh, you know, Oklahoma in 2033. I guess that'll be a league game. Anyway, even Alabama, which presumably doesn't need this, is saying we got to at least have one good non-conference home game on our schedule. And that means we have to play two good games every year because we have to play, we have to make this a home and home. Uh, obviously, I find this to be a tremendously positive development. Absolutely. So I don't know what, I don't know how to discuss this because I'm still well, reeling from the Mac. But <laughs> go ahead. Thoughts we, on Alabama, Pat? Mac corruption. We'll we'll delve into that in a later podcast. <clears throat> like everybody else in the Midwest, Purdue, 
Ames, they all lie. Lots of liars in the Midwest. So here, here's a couple thoughts on this. First of all, like the trend is there, I think, over, over a long period of time. I don't think there's any denying that. Uh, I would wait probably to look at numbers again next year before I decide too much, because I do think in 2021, there is still a significant portion of the population that was a bit gun shy about going into stadiums, especially older people, uh, especially probably in places that where the fan base is maybe a little more fickle out West. Hey, look, I was still out. I was out there uh, last week for PAC 12 swimming championships. You are masked all the time indoors. And that's in fe- late February in back last fall. I'm sure there were a lot of people that were like, nah, I don't think I want to go. So I would wait and see what the numbers look like in 22, provided we are continuing to put the pandemic behind us. That's a pretty big caveat. But secondly, I also I wonder if there are fans, Dan, who, who after sitting at home and watching in 2020 said, ah, oh, you know, this isn't that bad. I kind of prefer this than going and dealing with the stadium uh, brawl that it takes to get in and get out and pay for everything that you pay for. So, I, you know, I think that's another dynamic. Is w- let's wait and see whether people uh, rebound from just a personal habit if they liked not going as, uh, more than they thought they might. As far as the scheduling, absolutely. Yes, bring it on. And that's colleges actually doing what I think they're maybe reversing course after seeing, okay, maybe we've pushed the consumer as far as we can push them. Because I've said before, they, they – <laughs> College football fans, God love them. such suckers. <laughs> yes, complete yeah. suckers. We will give you garbage opponents. We will make you, we will give you 11 a.m. kickoffs in, in central time zone. We will give you 9 p.m. kickoffs in eastern time zone. We'll give you Mercer on a 100-degree day in September, <laughs> and we expect you to come. And I just I, I just looked at the, the Alabama attendance for this last year, and this is Alabama like the most rock-solid, passionate program going. They had three games that they didn't sell out, according to the numbers on cfbstats.com. They were 3,000 below capacity for New Mexico State, 5,000 below capacity for Mercer, and Arkansas, surprisingly, 2,000 below. Rat poison, Pat. Rat rat poison. Are you (laughs) saying that Mercer isn't a real team? Yes. Yeah. tackling dummies over there? Yeah. We, uh, we, we... Right. We, the buying public, know Mercer is a lousy team. Don't tell but, Coach Saban. Yeah. And then but, he yells, he lectures the students to stay. Oh, yeah, right, right. And they've got, like, incentives down there, too. If you stay for, like, they can track, I think, your tickets or whatever. If you stay for the whole game, you get, you know, money off for this or that. I mean, they, they're, they're doing like all. The third quarter, like, everyone's got a third quarter show now. Yeah, right, right. Right, the light show, the sing-along. Yes. Yeah, the fireworks, yep. yeah. Yeah, they're doing everything they can to keep people, not not just to get them to show up, but then to keep them there past halftime. So there's a lot of things that people are trying to do. But the best thing you can do is to play good teams. So, you know, I welcome that trend, and I think it's a great idea. I've heard from other people in the SEC, one of the reasons they want to break up traditional divisions, other than just them being too unwieldy if you're going to go to 16 teams, is more diversity of playing teams. And we've talked about this before, where Georgia never plays Texas A&M, and Florida doesn't play Auburn, and that sort of thing. And, And instead of seeing South Carolina every single year, or every other year in your stadium, and Kentucky every other year, mix it up and bring in some other schools. And I think you you reinvigorate the fan base to a degree. So I, th- I think we're going to see a lot of different trends towards getting better or at least more interesting opponents coming into stadiums. I would think you'd get more to uh, like out of town fans like the other team yes. would be willing to to take a trip. Right. If you're playing if you're Georgia fan 
and you want to go visit South Carolina, you can go any other year for the last, you know, X number of years. And so you've probably done it, but you throw something new in there and maybe the, you know, a crew says, hey, let's go to Arkansas or Arkansas says, let's go to Georgia, whatever. And you kind of get um, I agree with that. I do know the Big 12. One of the one of the chief factors for Oklahoma and Texas was there were just (laughs) whether this should be true or not. Uh, it's just the, the opponents weren't exciting. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, they could beat Texas, but nobody gets, you know, it's just not a big event. And you're in a city in Austin, increasingly a city. And to sit there and try to to market when you got a home slate of Kansas States and Iowa States and Kansas and, you know, and the, and the big game you play is in Dallas. You know, you don't have that, that your big home game against Oklahoma. So you bring in some new opponents. It's fresh. It's going to be exciting. You're going to sell some tickets. Everyone's going to be fired up. There's new alums, that whole bit. And with, you know, the if you're a Texas, you say you're a Texas fan, like there's multiple places in the state of Texas, they might be playing closer than Austin, you know, with the with the way the league's set up. So I do think that will be uh, that will be a shakeup or these guys just need to call the Mac and find out what they're doing. <laughs> That's it. Somehow, <laughs> Tuesday yes, night at nine o'clock Tuesday will really night. draw you a huge crowd. Tuesday <laughs> night at playing. nine on a 28 degree night <laughs> and they're just blocking. Mount Pleasant, baby. It's awesome. <laughs> Flocking to Mount Pleasant. Who doesn't want to drive? <laughs> That's gonna be it. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to start putting correspondence in the stands to physically count people at Maction games. I, I will say really this gonna... actually. So I I do agree with you. I think a lot of people found different things to do. You know, a good TV setup, you know, you kind of basically couch gate or whatever, whatever they're calling it, stay stay gate. I don't know. Do it at yeah. home, right? Yep. Grill it up, have some people over to watch the games. Pretty good. Uh, and yeah, they, you got to do something to jazz up. I mean, the NFL stadiums are basically 65,000 seats and they're plush and they try. It's a different kind of crowd, but it's they're set up differently and they really try to be user friendly. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's you're walking through shopping malls here and stuff like, you know, they got <laughs> art on the wall and well, d- yeah. different things. It's a different it's a little bit of different and a lot of pro sports. You go to you know, NBA state, NBA and NHL arenas, which are basically usually the same in every city, um, are incredibly plush. It's all about the, well, it's all sure. about the suites and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, they, yeah, a lot of places have figured out that, yeah, we can, we're fine with 10,000 fewer fans if we're selling more club seats. Right. And can make so, up the money there and make up the, the concessions and food and drink. Uh, and that's, yeah. And it's, it, it, it's like you need the tailgate, you need the whole thing. I, I'll say this the one, you know, I don't, Last year, I went to the season opener, Michigan. I, you know, I don't live that far from the University of Michigan. I'm not a Michigan fan, but I uh, went. My daughter and I went to watch them play Western Michigan just because we wanted to watch a football game, right? And met up with some friends and uh, and all of that. But uh, it wasn't it was not full. I mean, it was it was there was still a hundred thousand there, but it wasn't like totally jammed. Uh, I thought it was a good crowd, but again, I thought, geez, with the all the people that didn't get to go for a year. So oh, I, I do think the pandemic hopefully is eased by next fall, but there were definitely people that, that didn't want to go. And then yeah. Yeah, I just think there's people just didn't, didn't feel it. So anyway, uh, that's our attendance story. Again, we, we will be monitoring the machinations of the Mac. All right. Low college basketball Saturday, baby <laughs> top six teams all lost first time ever. And uh, Gonzaga played last, and I don't know why. After the first five lost, I didn't just bet St. Mary's, like bet the house on them. Just yeah, that coming. Yeah, uh, well, Gonzaga loses to St. Mary's. Arizona loses to Colorado. Auburn loses to 
Tennessee. Who are they? What's that, Sully? I know. No wonder, no wonder this is leading the rundown. That's right. That's right. You beat Bruce Pearl for the first time in, in six tries. It's 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 leading the rundown. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, Purdue uh, defeats Michigan. Uh, Michigan State defeats Purdue. Sorry. Uh, Baylor uh, beats Kansas. Uh, Arkansas beats Kentucky. So uh, now look, St. Mary's, Tennessee, Baylor, and Arkansas really not upsets. Michigan State is still Michigan State, and Colorado that was a big upset. That's the biggest win I think the school ever had. They've never beaten anyone that high before. Texas Tech lost to unranked TCU. All right, so is this just one day where like the very goods beat? I mean, I'm not going to, you know, big Baylor at home upset over Kansas. It doesn't really seem like much to me. Or is this a sign that, like, it's just going to be wild? Take your pick. Anybody can win this thing. Uh, Both, in my opinion. Uh, Alert readers of the 40 minutes would know that I called that this weekend was coming. Basically said that there were the top six teams were all playing very good teams on the road or playing in difficult places. Like Arizona, Colorado, Arizona has not beaten Colorado in Boulder since 2015. It's a hard place to play. Altitude, second game of a road trip in three days. You played in Utah. You, you turn around, you go play there. So all those games, you could basically say, yeah, they're, none of them are that shocking. Now, Gonzaga getting completely housed by St. Mary's was, was a bit of an eye-opener. But I think also this is indicative of, yeah, what could be coming in March is the sport is pretty wide open at the top. Last year, from November on, everybody was pretty darn sure that Baylor and Gonzaga were the two best teams. They trucked everyone in the non-conference. They had great conference seasons. Gonzaga was undefeated. Baylor dropped a couple games, but they, that was coming off of COVID. Uh, so th- this year, if you look, every team had lost a game by mid-January. So there were no nobody was sticking out as a stu- super team. And now every team except Murray State, the mighty Murray State Racers, has lost at least two games. Uh, only two teams made it through their conferences undefeated so far. Um, actually, well, they're, they're both done, South Dakota State and Murray State. All the Power Five is lost. So I think we are looking for bracket purposes, since that's what we care about, you know, is that there's a dozen teams that I think could win. And I think there's a bunch of teams that could lose at any point second round on and probably a couple first round shockers as well. Uh, I agree, obviously. I think when your top four are Gonzaga, Arizona, Auburn, and Purdue, no offense to those teams, but like none of those, it's not they don't have good players, but because, you know, both Auburn and, and Gonzaga have potential number one picks, but it's not, these aren't your, you know, all right, Kentucky's got six guys and Carolina's got, you know, five NBA players on the roster. And these are the, they all earn their spots. So I do think it's 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 pretty wild uh, uh, where it's going to go. I watched more of the Gonzaga. They were very unimpressive to me. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, boy, they've been super impressive all season, but they they got their tails kicked in that game. Yeah, everyone was all, all over them. And this has a bit of a 2007 college football season feel to it, right? Yeah. Like it's right. just, just upsets, craziness. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? Hell, we had one of the best coaches get in a fight, and now we the next <laughs> week we have the top seven teams lose, you know, yeah. seven out of the top yeah. ten. So Yeah, it's been two entertaining weekends in a row. Mm-hmm. It's 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 rolling. We're rolling right into March. Yeah, it's 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 a wild time. I mean, how about um I saw this the other day. Uh Oregon State basketball went to the Elite <laughs> Eight last year and they're three and twenty-four. Yeah. Yeah, lost at home by like 40 to UCLA on Saturday. I saw I that mean, on Twitter that they won more games in March last year than they had all season. <laughs> what? what? Did everyone? Like, what happened? 
Now, they still got some of the same guys, too. <laughs> I mean, they've had some injuries. But, yeah, here's the, here's what happened. I mean, like, this is how, you know, how that, that's one of the great things about this sport is, like, UCLA missed one or two key free throws in the Pac-12 quarterfinal last year, and Oregon State beats them and then never loses again. They win the Pac-12 tournament. Otherwise, they weren't coming anywhere near yeah. the NCAAs. And then they get in and win three games there and actually gave Houston a run in the regional final. I mean, it was, you know, that's that's the nutty, like, razor's edge that sometimes takes over that sport. I think it's going to be even more, more than yeah. ever. No, I think it's possible. That's one of the great slides ever. Yeah. Elite, they're 1 in 16 in the league. Yeah, no, I mean, they're horrible. They are. I am doing a horrible job hosting today. I am on tangents like Mac attention, <laughs> attendance and <laughs> Oregon, Oregon State. 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 <laughs> Play the hits. <laughs> yeah. Way to appeal to the mass audience. We could talk, you know. Let's, let's talk Baylor and Kansas now. Oregon State sucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's delve into Oregon, the anatomy of Oregon State's collapse. <laughs> I love a good train wreck. <laughs> I just don't know how you how do you win three games in the Pac-12 again. Like, like how, do you, how do you how are you a Pac-12 team and only win three games? You're allowed to buy like 10, 11 wins. <laughs> I'm, I'm in now. I'm, I'm now all in on this. Sorry, everyone. No, yeah, <clears throat> don't apologize. I'm going to come out and looking at their schedule to they find out how they lost happened. a Samford. Yeah, they lost a Samford, lost to Tulsa, lost to Princeton. UC Davis beat them. UC they actually Davis. played a hell of a schedule at yeah. Iowa State. Well, they they <clears throat> were taking the bye games. Wake beat them. Penn State, Cal, sure. Cal, Arizona. They lost to UC Davis. That's bad. They have uh, not won in 2022. Their last win was December 30th. They beat Nichols, and then uh, uh, somehow they beat Utah. Yeah, Utah's got to be hanging its head in shame. Of course, Utah's terrible too. They're awful. They're twelve and eighteen. So, but still, I mean, all right. Well, it was fun. It was a fun Saturday. It should be fun. The uh, smaller tournaments begin two weeks to, to March Madness. Yeah, they begin tonight, Monday night. We start getting, I think, the first game or two at least. And uh, okay, and it's on. Fill out your Jeromes, everybody. I was happy Providence won the Big East. Yeah, yeah, first, first time, time ever. ever. Yeah, good times. I like that. All right, Pat, uh, I don't know if, I mean, you can only imagine what the poor Oregon State basketball fan is going through because I'm going to tell you about this guy. He's a Texas A&M baseball fan. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sully, these are your people. These are Sully's people. JT at SportsBurner414. I have absolutely no way of knowing this is true, but it's a tweet. So we're going to go with it. We're going with it. We're going, going with it. Right. This is like the, all those videos of like from the Ukraine that may or may not have been. <laughs> yeah, right. That are actually from Syria in 2018 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was one where somebody basically started towing a tank or something. Yeah. I don't know whether any of these are true, but like <laughs> this is the, if they're, if it's propaganda by the Ukrainians, they are the greatest propaganda machine I've ever seen. <laughs> Oh, the oh, farmer, the guy with the like the John Deere. That video. Yeah, he just started towing a Russian tank away. It was and like the guys, yeah, the guys are chasing him. after him. Yeah, and then the Russian was chasing it. I was like, yeah, badass. a Ukrainian Aggie. Oh, these poor, these poor Ukrainians. It's the worst story ever. But man, they are oh, just having horrible. a good time on the internet. Uh, they're, they're spinning. Horrible. The more humiliation of Vladimir Putin, the better, as far as I'm concerned. So. Always. I'll, I'm going to believe every single one of them. All right. JT uh, at SportsBurner Forfeit. This is why I don't believe this story might be. This is a little sketchy. 
Uh, I have suspicions. I think you'll be able to figure out where my suspicion begins. Texas A&M Twitter account at Aggie Baseball uh, tweets out final pen eight A&M five. JT uh, responds. I just smashed my TV in front of 39 guests at my party because of the game. My <laughs> wife just took our crying kids and said they're all spending the week at a hotel. This team has ruined my life and my party. I can't handle this anymore. Goodbye, Aggies. I am no longer a fan. And, and there's a little <laughs> waving hand emoji. No, that's completely bogus. <laughs> I'm not buying that. <laughs> Nobody has a 39-person watch party for a baseball college baseball game in February. Start I there. I mean, they're they're excited about Schlossnagel down there, but who's Schlossnagel? Yeah. They the, the, their new coach that they stole from TCU. Oh. That, was okay. a, that was a big coup. Okay, well, 39 people are watching the Penn A and M game at one party. Now it doesn't say it's a watch party. It could have yeah. been like his birthday party. Okay, could be some other kind of party. But, Where uh, I fall off, I, I get, I make it all the way to the end, believing him. Be, uh, yeah. But uh, the Aggies <laughs> are so—it's a cult, right? So they're never yeah. going to leave. Oh no, right? So that, yeah, that's they never the least, quit. That's the <clears throat> yeah. That's, a, that's where I'm like, oh, this guy's not an Aggie. Then. Yeah. No, no, they're just like, just like gig him harder. Texas we'll be back. Problem. Yeah, that's—he's a horn. Good trying point. To, trying to drum it up. Yeah, I don't believe that uh, he smashed. If he did. I, I, when I, mean, I was oh shoot, when was I? Thirteen years old. I actually stomped a hole in a wood uh, floor what? after Florida walked off Tennessee in the College World Series. That's about as mad as I've ever been about baseball. Yep. Where was this? Where was this floor? It was. It was in my room. I had a wood floor yeah. in my. I was watching it in my my room. And, you, and as the a wood child. floor was is uh, so poorly constructed you could kick through it. Well, it was it, a house built in like the 1920s. Oh. It was an old house. Okay. Some serious so. Tennessee going on here <laughs> it was it was actually yeah. a log cabin house too really shockingly yeah well, those wow. things are sturdy oh it's sturdy Should but be. the but the floor is old i mean yeah. I, I was i was a strong 13 year old i haven't grown <laughs> much since were termite issues there or anything i mean i think know. so okay. yeah no I, I i hit my growth spurt and then stopped growing I'm, i've been five nine since i've been 13 but really? the yeah yeah it was it, it, the fact it was florida and it was the college world series regular season baseball game you can't get worked up over <laughs> what was under the floor were you was it like were you is it a one-story house two-story was it two stories okay so you were like kicked into were the you, living room no 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 i did go all the way through the, the roof but i just i just snapped a couple boards okay wow i'm impressed Sully. some Very cobra impressed. kai going on here what <laughs> Needless Man. to say, my parents were not excited. No, I bet. How they do you were. explain that? Busted the floor. I mean, that's expensive. That's, <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, that's the kind of one. Better still than what my my brother did as a freshman at Notre Dame when the Russians beat the Americans in the Olympic basketball game in 1972. The famous Rob job there with the clock. He kicked in the TV, but it wasn't his TV. He was in somebody else's oh, room. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And that oh, was and in, in the 1972, time. those TVs cost like 40 grand. Absolutely. Like just, yeah. And nobody had them, you know? That was a so. big old TV, too. Yeah. The big, like, brother had to warm it up. <laughs> I'm sure. Old. And tune it in with the ears. Absolutely. No. My wow. Brother's All right. that, patriotic, uh, that patriotic fervor that, got the yeah. best of him. All right. Additional, additional news here. Turns out uh, this is a this is a 
internet poster named Galloping High Road. <laughs> we're digging deep here. Another, Remember a couple weeks reputable ago, there was a story in the New York Times, and I was like, see, this is like a real story? Like, I don't know if the, any of these stories are real. We had been away for a few nights. This is uh, uh, and traveled back quite late. Towards the end of our journey, this is about 2 a.m., we were driving along a road in a rural area. Uh, again, such details. When something crossed the road in front of us in full headlights for about three seconds. It was about the height of a person, maybe six feet or over, but it had pow short, powerful legs and hips. Might be Sully kicking in the floor, which <laughs> seemed to move in a circular fluid fashion. It was not a deer because it stood on two legs. This was in the Midlands, and the area is traditional rolling fields and woodlands. In this particular spot, there are no houses or buildings. Nearest is over a mile away. We drove back today as it's only seven miles from home to look at the road layout. And whatever, whatever it was moved in a wide bowl-shaped field dropping down to a stream. Okay. So where is this? Is, where, 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 what's the location? Sully, where, where is this? Where are the middle? I think this is in England. England. Okay. <clears throat> well, England. Oh, that, right. I thought it was, I, my question was, this is the Guntown kangaroo. Well, well could, that, could, could he have made it to England? We, we did, didn't we, didn't we locate? Oh no, he was in Denmark the last we heard, right? He was in Denmark. I don't believe he's it. in Europe. Yeah. He was in Denmark last week or whenever, when we talked about the Danish kangaroo. Yeah. Anyhow. Go on. <laughs> so Sully, I mean, <laughs> do we? Do Sully went away last weekend to like party or something, and I'm going to say the rundown is showing. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I actually had uh, a few late nights playing poker with my grandma, so it was, Good. it was fun. I'm sure she drank awesome. you onto the table. Like she did. <laughs> mm -hmm. But so, all right. So we think the Guntown kangaroo has migrated from Denmark to England. No, no. Oh, yeah. no, 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 it's still in Mississippi. No, no, no. When, what, what about Fort Lauderdale? Guntown's kangaroo's been Came spotted back. in Fort Lauderdale. That was a spring break. That was spring break. <laughs> uh, all right. Finally, and mercifully, finally, patrons at a social club in Britain. We're big on Britain. This is the actual United Press International. So mm. I take a little bit more truth to that. Uh, they were Brit the uh, social club patrons in Britain were treated to an unusual sight when a loose pig wandered into the establishment before being lured back outside with potato chips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Witnesses said the pig walked into the Easington Collier Club in County Durham just after 10 p.m. Said it was a uh, club regular, said the pig was friendly and approached them for affection. So they, they called the... Uh, they called the owner and said, I'm sorry to disturb you, but there's a pig in the bar. Uh, they got some crisp, crisps from behind the bar, lured them outside with some cheese and onion. <laughs> uh, okay. Thought they would have. Interesting. I think the onion flavored chips. That's how they used yeah. to kick me out of bars in college. They just put down like string <laughs> cheeses. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think they should have kept the pig in the bar. Mm -hmm. Could be the emotion, be the mascot, the, the next emotional support pig since we had the one in uh, New York or wherever it was. Turns out they put up on the uh, Facebook that the pig had come in and the owner checked the saw it on Facebook and came down to the bar to get the pig. Pig's name is Roddy. Roddy. Oh, Roddy, oh, the, the drunken pig. Guy, oh, I mean, pig was looking for a cocktail and this. They don't even <laughs> give it those salty chips. Crisps. If you're gonna give them some crisps, you gotta give it. You gotta give him a pint to go with the crisps. Yeah, give him a little pint of bitter and, we'll, and send him on his way. Totally <laughs> not fair. Roddy gets escapes while because her, her owner is not paying any attention to Roddy. He's sitting on Facebook all day. 
escapes, tries to go have a good night, just a Tuesday night down the corner pub, and uh, doesn't even get out. any drinks. So That's unfortunate. Should be angry. A BLT. All right, and finally, finally, I forgot. We got to get to this. This is the one that was sent to us most. Many alert our, listeners were on top of this. One. Our friend Hank the Tank. Yes, if you recall the bear that had uh, been breaking into homes, Lake Tahoe region, South Lake Tahoe, and uh, basically had a bounty out on its head. Uh, this was profiling, Pat. It was. Hank it the Tank, was. it turns out, is actually three bears. <laughs> Not one, three bears. He's a composite character. Yeah. And uh, they DNA tested the uh, the fur and found out that it was three different bears. And so now uh, they're trying to round them all up, move to a sanctuary. I wonder where Goldilocks is. <laughs> three bears. What? Yep, we need her. This is unbelievable, though. Hank was framed. Hank the Tank was absolutely framed by the man. I mean, he was guilty of one of uh, some crimes. Yeah, it just they they threw all of them on it, like the cops will do sometimes. Yes, right, right. right? Yep. They just throw some cold cases on you, and uh, it was not as big of a uh, of a, a B and E threat as as it deserved. There were many Hanks. Like it, if Hank has a good defense attorney, yeah, he can muddle it up. Now, I mean, he he can sow enough doubt with the jury that I think I think Hank escapes. <laughs> you guys know the story of uh, John Dornbez, magician. He was the long snapper. NFL long snapper and magician. <laughs> it's an interesting career double there. He's won like America's Got Talent. He's incredible. He's a, it's an incredible story. I've written about him. I've talked to this really? guy a few times. Long so, snapping magician. Okay. Yes. So he has this great, it's a terrible story. His, he grew up, uh, it, 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 when he was young, his uh, father murdered his mother. Uh, and so then he got put uh, like he went off to live with family. He was obviously extremely depressed. Uh, it's a very sad story. It gets better. Uh, he taught himself magic as a kind of a way to kind of process through it. He's like 12, but he also played football. He played for the Bills, the Titans, the Eagles for a long time. He was their long snapper, but he was also a really good magician. He won America's Got Talent. He goes around. He does unbelievable tricks. I mean, it's all, he's one of these world-class magicians that just blow your mind, right? They can do anything right in front of you and you have no idea what happened. But one of the, this is why this is relevant. One of the ways, so he, he, he had no scholarship offers out of high school, but he took game film of three, he and two other players, okay? <laughs> Merged it all together like a magician into ah, one film. Made himself a composite character. Yes, and sent it out, and UTEP, <laughs> I don't know why the miners are too good for a lot of years, <laughs> bought it and brought him in as a linebacker and a fullback. Oh, my gosh. And then he okay. gets there, and they figure he can't do anything but snap. It becomes snap, and then ends up becoming the long snapper for the team, gets his business degree, and then gets drafted and ends up playing in the NFL for uh, well, 15 years, 14 <laughs> years, something like that. So it turns out the miners are actually pretty good at scouting. Yeah. But that was his thing. He goes, of course I got a scholarship offer. I was three guys in one. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate he, magic trick. He magic tricked his way to a college scholarship, and it turned out to be an NFL, probably the longest tenured UTEP football player in the NFL. I like, was going to say, right? He made I mean, like a couple Pro Bowls. We need... I would wear his jersey. I need he's, a UTEP jersey. His, I guarantee he's got like his picture up in the locker room, you know, or in the facility of oh, you he's know, making bank miners now. in he's the huge. NFL. Yeah. 
He's huge. He won a Super Bowl, I think, with the Eagles. Played 162 consecutive games. He's a really interesting guy. There's a tremendous, uh, well, you can f- try to find my stories on it, which are not probably that good, but <laughs> I did write about him a few times. Uh, he's a very fascinating guy, but there's a great HBO Real Sports segment on him. Uh, it's really? J-O-N-D-O-R-E-N-B-O-S. It's one of the best stories I've ever heard. Super sad, but then he's just like, oh, you know, this is what I did. Um, but yeah, he's got the ma- he's done the magic tricks for me, and it's it's like I, it's insane. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, it just makes a card disappear, and then it's like behind you. I, I you're like I don't I just, when they're that good. Yeah. Oh my god, like yeah. just not possible. Good magicians are really good. You know, what I mean, like you know, when they can do stuff that completely befuddle everybody, even you know, even though you know you're getting scammed, I respect them. Hank the Tank. That's <laughs> basically that's why I don't know. Clear our man, Hank. Hank was three and one. Clear his name. Do not send him to death row. Everybody stop shooting at him. One third of the breaking and enterings. Yeah. (laughs) And his two accomplices. It was a ring. (laughs) That's it. He's he's got a crime family right there in Tahoe. They just throw it all on Hank. Takes the fall. Uh, All right. That's the podcast. We'll be back (laughs) Thursday. We'll do better on Thursday. Yeah, you know, I just thought it was fairly entertaining. Max season ticket holders, let us know what you think. Let's hear from you. (laughs) Did you see 17,000 other people there? (laughs) We don't believe you, Max. I need photos. All right. Please continue to share and subscribe. We will talk to you later.